I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a special offer that I created for the Lifestyle Investor community. When I look back at my investing journey, there's one specific investment in particular that was the spark to increasing my net worth and allowing me to leave my job to become a lifestyle investor. I'm talking about mobile home parks. Yes, mobile home parks. If you just cringed a little, that's exactly why these provide such a great opportunity because of the negative stigma and stereotype people might have. In reality, this is an incredible investment that you can get into with little or no money down. You can also quickly get a return on your capital. You can immediately cash flow on day one. You can hold it forever as a cash cow. You get accelerated depreciation to reduce or eliminate the taxes that you would owe. And often, the seller will finance the deal so you don't need a bank. You can also buy them at the highest cap rate of all real estate, meaning it's the cheapest real estate to buy based on the income that it generates. And it's the lowest default rate of all real estate, meaning it's the safest asset class to own in real estate. I use this asset class to start my journey in real estate investing and grow my net worth to over eight figures all before I turned 40. And out of all the questions that people ask me, how do I get into mobile home parks is still the number one question that I get, which is why I put together this mobile home park masterclass. This is a paid class that I'm offering for a limited time only. For all the details, head over to justindonald.com forward slash MHP and watch the video which outlines all the details about the class and exactly what you get when you sign up. You'll also hear the incredible success stories from students who have gone through my content and are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income. If you want to take the same first step that I did that helped me take both my wife and I from working full-time jobs to becoming lifestyle investors, join me in my mobile home park masterclass And let's get started on your journey to becoming a lifestyle investor. Visit justindonald.com forward slash MHP for all the details. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Today, I'm speaking with Josh Trent. Josh is the founder of Wellness Force Media and host of the top-ranked iTunes podcast, Wellness Force Radio. He has spent the past 16 years as a researcher, trainer, and facilitator discovering the physical and emotional intelligence that allow humans to thrive in our modern world. Josh has published over 300 high-level interviews with some of the most respected minds in the health, wellness, and self-help industries and has been spotlighted in major wellness media outlets such as Onnit, Spartan, SealFit, and more. While his background is impressive, it wasn't that long ago that Josh hit rock bottom. He was unhealthy, both physically and mentally, and his beliefs around money were holding him back. In this episode, you'll hear what he did to overcome the darkest period of his life and how he completely turned things around for the better. You'll also learn why you don't need to sacrifice sleep, rest, or mental well-being in order to get rich misconceptions about money that you've been programmed to believe, and how to shift your mindset so you can unlock your full potential. One more thing before we get to today's interview. Josh has a special gift for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. He's giving away his M21 Wellness Guide, which is the simple yet powerful 21-minute morning system 
that melts stress and gives you more energy through six science-backed practices and breath work. And if that wasn't enough, he's also giving you free access to his 21-day guided breath and wellness program. To get access to this gift, visit justindonald.com forward slash 74. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Josh Trent. All right, Josh, we're here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, for joining. Thank you for being at my house. And I, I guess this is like a rare thing that we get to do it in person on your podcast. Yeah, your studio is incredible, by the way. Thank I, you. I Thank love you. it. The, the feel, the vibe, the ambiance, everything about it just feels right. So I'm, I'm inspired, you know, right now, I, a lot of my listeners know I'm in between studios. We sold our home. Uh, we're, we're supposed to have our new home that we're building ready, I don't know, about eight to nine months ago. Uh, it's still not ready. Huh. And so uh, I'm so excited for being able to build it and have it back. But right now I'm just kind of using something at my office uh, that is kind of like a makeshift. And it, it's good. It's good. But uh, I'm excited for it to be my own comfortable, loungy like yours. Yes. Well, when the time comes, let me know. We can. I can help you build it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Well, hey, I just had so much fun joining you on your show, and you are a wealth of knowledge in the wellness space. I mean, beyond that too, but wellness is like, I mean, I was just so impressed with your acumen and knowledge. I'm so excited for you to be on the show here and just share the wisdom that you have. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm 41. I hope to have, I know I have more than I had when I started, which was really in my late 20s. That was what I cut my teeth as a trainer and and uh, a lot has changed since then. So thanks. Thank you. Yeah. And so I, I'm really excited about your story about where you were, how you evolved, how you got to where you are today. I mean, now you're in Austin, we're in your home studio, you're transitioning in many regards, you're transitioning your business, you're transitioning your life, you've got a new son. I mean, you've got a lot going on in the world, but, uh, and I want to get into all that, but Walk us through kind of like early on. Um, you've got a cool life, but how did you how did you get to this life? I was afforded it by contrast. <laughs> I had a lot of contrast, which which I think my story is very similar to a lot of people that are hungry for something different. We want to have more freedom, which is really at the core of, of your brand and your podcast too. And so for me, I was born in a situation where my mom had a manic bipolar condition, and my dad left home when I was pretty young, you know, a few months old. And so I really didn't ever feel when I was a kid that security, that safety. And flash forward, I'm, you know, I'm 21 years old. I'm like 280 pounds. I'm in a body that doesn't feel good. I'm, I'm in a career. I was an automotive mechanic for Mercedes Benz at that time. And I, I wasn't using my gift. I wasn't doing this. I wasn't practicing communication and connection. And um, also I was just like unhappy just generally unhappy in my life. And I'll never forget this, Justin. I was at a party drinking, which is a lot of what we do in our 20s, fortunately or unfortunately. And I just, I looked down and I had like a belly hanging over and I I was just really depressed. I, I didn't have emotional intelligence. I definitely did not have physical intelligence. And really, I had severed my connection with God. I, I had no spiritual connection, no spiritual intelligence either. So I, I remember like putting the party cup down and just feeling this sadness wash over me. And I think it was the first time I had actually allowed myself to feel my own sadness. And I just had this message from a higher power. It felt like a ticker tape, like a, like a stock ticker tape. And it said, there's more to life than this. There's wow. more to life than this. There's more to life than suffering and getting by and, and letting life kind of batter me around. And uh, I ran home drunk. I was 21 years old. I ran home drunk three miles and I typed in the computer, like, how do I be healthy? And that was an 18 month journey of losing a hundred pounds, gaining back, back and forth. (laughs) I got so frustrated. I just packed up everything, sold my truck, sold everything I owned. And I moved to Hawaii when I was 25 years old. In Hawaii, I found the ocean. I found really a more calm center. It's the first time I had really had that deep of a connection with the ocean. And it really brought me to this place where there was some peace that I finally started to feel. And then I found fitness out there. I I started working at a 24-hour fitness. I came back to the mainland and spent the next 10 years in fitness, you know, 10,000 hours with clients and training people. And then eventually left fitness, went back to the corporate arena, committed spiritual suicide for a few years, got the gift of being fired 
the same uh, same time frame that we had to put my mom in a mental home. I was out of a relationship that I thought I was going to be with, and uh, I really had nowhere to go. It was like the ultimate reckoning. And I think we've all had some of these dark moments where we're on our knees. And um, <laughs> that really was the point where I was on my knees. I was overlooking a golf course in Carlsbad, uh, the Omni in Carlsbad, staying in a friend's room. I had just started the podcast. I was literally like, just God help me, you know? And I don't mean God, a bearded dude in the sky. I mean... I'd really like some guidance, please. Like, you know, spirit, great spirit, please give me guidance, you know, cause I don't have it figured out. And that was the moment where things turned because I just made a promise to myself. I would rather die than live someone else's dream ever again. And I know that sounds like a soliloquy, like, Oh, he would rather die than, than live someone else's dream. But I really felt it. I didn't want to live anymore. If I was going to live someone else's life, if I was going to be a cog in a wheel for someone else's dream. And so that was really when I made the commitment internally to take wellness force and the podcast and, and really what I was doing to, to bring intelligence to other people. I was really in the quest to bring it to myself and I was just doing it in a, in a spotlight fashion. So that's the, that's the nutshell. Those were the, like the biggest turning points. Of course, there was many more dark nights of the soul in there as well, but, but those were the big moments that really shaped me. And, uh, a lot of it was built through contrast. Well, I appreciate your willingness to be open and vulnerable. It's amazing the lessons that we learn when we can surrender. I mean, I feel like some of my greatest moments were where I surrendered and said, all right, I'm just going to stop trying to do all this myself. I'm trying to muscle it. I'm trying to control it. And maybe I'm not the best guide. I'm, I, I probably shouldn't be steering the ship. And so, you know, I, I love hearing that. For the record, you look great. I just you know, want everyone to know you are fit. You're in shape. Thank you're, you. You're looking great. I remember a season in my life. I played sports. We talked about this earlier. I played sports growing up. I played every sport except football because my mom wouldn't let me play football. She's smart. Uh, very smart. Especially I'm, if I'm you're thankful. an APOE allele. If you have uh, <laughs> dementia or, or Alzheimer's, uh, that can really exacerbate it. Another podcast, but yes. <laughs> There's yeah. no doubt. So, I, I mean, I'm very thankful in the moment. I didn't care for it because I, it was my, I don't know if it was my favorite sport because of that, or there are a lot of things I like about it. I was good at it. Football is cool to watch. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I love watching it today. But uh, I had this weird uh, moment. So I, I played sports. I was always in good shape. And then one day I realized I was out of shape. Like I didn't see it creep in. Like all of a sudden my eyes were open like, you're out of shape. What is going on here? This is not who you are. And I had previously been able to eat whatever I wanted to eat. And, you know, my, my roommate at the time, uh, he's like, man, you paying attention to what you eat? Of course you're out of shape. You know, are you going to the gym? And it, there's that big transition from like playing sports a ton in, you know, high school, college, post-college. This is like right after college. You know, you're, you're working more. For me, I was starting a business and I was putting in the hours. I wasn't going to the gym. I wasn't playing in recreational sports like I had been. So the, the workout wasn't there and I was just kind of eating what I'd always eat. And I'd never, the thought never even crossed my mind at that age that it could have such a drastic shift on my overall health. And so I made the same commitment as you did, where it's like, hey, this has got to change. And that one decision is one of the most powerful decisions I ever made because since then I have always prioritized my physical health, which then has stemmed into prioritizing all the other aspects of health, emotional yeah. health, spiritual health. And who cares how we get there? Either you get there by pain or pleasure, but you get there. And hopefully, like, you know, we, we just chatted on the Wellness Force podcast about, oh my gosh, it doesn't always have to be this like white knuckling where I have to experience pain to grow. Sometimes we can just learn from others. I can just be like, oh, that, that guy's got it figured out. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me follow the, in the footsteps of somebody who's embodying the life and the different virtues that I want, that I desire, and I'll get there without le having so much pain, with less pain. And I, and I wish, actually, that someone would have planted that seed in my pocket when I was in my 20s. Like, hey, seek out different people for, for guidance, for wisdom. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because once you figure it out, you're like, oh, thank goodness I figured it out. But then part of you is like, why didn't I figure this out a decade earlier? You know, and you kind of like beat yourself up about it. But it's nice because a lot of people don't ever figure that out. So you did. You figured it out, which is great. And I mean, 
some of my greatest lessons I learned. I mean, at the beginning, you learn the hard way because sometimes you're not even open enough to see other people's lessons and mistakes. So you have to make them yourself. And then in time, you become smart enough to recognize, hey, I can shortcut all this if I just pay attention to what other people have done. I can shortcut the bad by not doing the things that people that did you know, that that ended up where they are did. And then I can shortcut the good by copying the blueprint of what successful people have done in whatever it is, health, financial, emotional, whatever it is, you know, education. And so uh, I feel like you've got a lot of hacks there that you've learned over the years. And you certainly have a great uh, ecosystem for, you know, friends and and network and community. And the people on your show are just incredible. Your show in general, is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the hacks, um, I guess you can call them hacks, but really they're, um, they're not shortcuts for me. I've learned the hard way that there's no such thing as a true, true shortcut. There might be a path that has less rocks, but I don't think there's shortcuts because every time I've tried to take a shortcut, it always turns into a long cut. <laughs> Whether it's any of, of the, the five pieces of wellness, which mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, which is, I know it's a place here on your podcast where a lot of people share financial wisdom, but you know, they, they bleed into each other. It's like the, the recycle logo, right? And I don't know how metaphysical you want to get here, but every single way that I show up to my relationship or that I show up to myself, you could look at any one of those five pieces in that Pentagon and you could say, okay, he's doing a really great job because he or she emanates a peacefulness and emanates a confidence about all of those five areas being full. And I think where I'm at now in my life is I'm actually in the process of harvesting, like what, what are the, the shortcuts, if you will, or what are the hacks, if you will, that'll allow me to consistently fill up these five areas so that none of them are ever dry. And if one gets low, I don't, I don't have to pull from another one. Like I don't have to sacrifice my body if I want to make money, but I fell into that trap when I started in 2015. Cause you know, when you're coming from a place of scarcity and when I was like making a promise to God that I'd rather die than go and work for someone else again, the come from the energy of that is not always going to be the easiest learning curve. Right. And so when I look back on the wisdom that I have now, I think what's most important when it comes to hacks or, or biohacks or shortcuts is be open to it being longer, <laughs> you know, be, be open to the path being a lot longer and be a lot more humble and less white knuckling in the approach to, to gather, apply and embody. Yeah. And haven't we all gone through life in, or even aspects of life where we white knuckle and we squeeze and we try and control it. You know, I I heard, uh, I had a mentor share with me one time that you can either control or you can influence. And when you control, that's like taking a wet bar of soap and squeezing it as hard as you can. And you can't control it. It's just going to pop out. Yeah. But what you really want to do is you want to influence it. And so you cradle it, you, you know, move it back and forth in your hands, you loosen the grip. And in which case you can keep it, you can keep control over it, but not because you're controlling it, but because you're influencing it. And so that analogy has really steered me in some positive directions in my life. And one of the cool things that I see with you is that you're always evolving. You're always learning. You're always growing. Even your business model, you know, you, you kind of had this square with these four different components that kind of made up your wellness brand, right? That that were the overarching themes of wellness. Yeah. And recently you had this epiphany that, Hey, it's not four components. It's five that financial really needs to be part of it. And ironically, or maybe not ironically, your finances have followed in suit, which is really cool. Yeah. They tripled because I honestly took finance and money and the energy of money seriously and and money, as you know, and I'm sure you explore this in nuance on the show. There's a lot of bullshit when it comes to what money actually is. The money story of like, oh, well, this person's rich, therefore he or she got rich by taking advantage of others. It's just such an exhausting narrative. Yeah. But I fell prey to that narrative because, and with respect to my mom and dad, they did the best they could. Just like all the parents of all the guests you've had on your show and same with your mom and dad. They give us these beliefs that don't always (laughs) have a welcome mat. 
And over the course of my life, I've really had to look at what I've been given, what I've been imprinted with. And this is the esoteric description of what we're talking about. We have a lot of different energy systems in our body. We have the we have the enteric nervous system. We have the central nervous system. We are literally a computer. So when my parents give me a chip and on that chip, there's a belief system that's been installed. It might not be fair. It might not be the most easy thing to reprogram. But Justin, it is my responsibility to remove the chip, to learn new information, and to put a new chip in. And so when it comes to money, I've really had to look at the energy of what money is. And now I can, I can truthfully say, what I think money is, is a promise. It's a promise and it's an energetic, I guess you could say, reciprocity between you and I or anyone, where if I'm paying you for a service then I feel really good about paying you. If I'm taking money from my customers or my clients, I'm actually not taking money. I'm receiving money for the value and for the energy and for the love that I'm giving them. And it's not hippies around a fire here. Like it's true reciprocity because I believe in my being, in my subconscious mind, in every cell in my body, that what I'm doing is actually truly valuable. And I, th I actually think I'm giving it to my customer or my client at a great value where I think I'm really giving them actually a little bit more than what I'm receiving back. And that is a totally different frame than how I was raised. I'm the only entrepreneur in my whole family uh, on both sides. I can't think of anyone, you know, four or five generations deep that was entrepreneurial. So I'm literally cutting new ground here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hacking my way through, through the Amazon jungle at times, it feels like. Yeah, I, I can relate in so many different levels. I mean, from an education standpoint, I'm the first in my family to go to college, to graduate from college. And uh, same with being an entrepreneur. You know, there, there really is no history in my family of that. And it's, it's interesting when you are paving the way, when you, you can't use your family as a backboard for the things that they don't know. You have to get outside of that, the comfort of that, and find other people that can mentor you along the way. And so that was a great way to establish trust and to reach out to other people and develop relationships, uh, get out of my comfort zone, ask tough questions, uh, be vulnerable and let people know what I really, what my goals are, even though I might not hit them, I might fall flat on my face, but to say, Hey, my goal is to be a business owner, or my goal is to have impact in whatever way that might be. I'm curious for you, when did you have this aha moment or realization that finances really are integral to wellness overall? Like what was it that you know, I, I guess provoked this idea that you need to shift your model a little bit from what it was. Uh, the pregnancy and the birth of my son, as soon as Carrie Michelle got pregnant, there was something that switched inside of me. And the wisdom, the understanding about what money truly is, I used to intellectualize it. I used to tell people the same thing I'm telling you now, but I didn't feel it in the way that I feel it now. Like it wasn't really embodied wisdom. It was more like an intellectual wisdom. And, and I have to watch that with myself because I'm, I'm good with words. I like to communicate. I understand concepts quickly. And so I can spit them out as if I understand them, but I can be honest with myself and know now, all right. I'm humble enough to ask God and to ask other people who are further along the journey than me. What do you do when you're a new dad? <laughs> you know, like, how do you truly provide for your family and also fill all the other four pieces of that Pentagon that are necessary? And that was like the reckoning. As soon as she got pregnant and as soon as my, I knew my son was coming, there was something that shifted inside of me. And, and I wish I could tell you it was like a moment or a night when I woke up. It was cumulative. Because I did a lot of different plant medicine ceremonies and deep breath work ceremonies. I did a vision quest that was 10 days, four days fasting in nature with like no fire, no phone, nothing. I mean, it was like the ultimate spiritual crucible. And all along the way, I just, I started gathering these, these little pieces of intelligence that would develop into wisdom that money is here for me. Like money is truly here for me. And it feels like, really empowering to say that. Like, I actually feel that in my body compared to in the past where it would just be this story like, oh my God, I'm making money so hard. Like, how am I going to do it all? That was actually a core, a core program. The core program I used to run was a program of overwhelm. 
And I use the analogy of program because, you know, we, I talk about the chips and whether it's Dispenza or whether it's Paul Check or whether it's anyone that we respect in wellness or in personal development or even Tony Robbins, they all speak to this aspect of self that is programmed, like the programming in, in the subconscious mind. And in my subconscious mind, there was a program that had a distinct verbiage and it said, how am I going to do it all? That was what kept coming up for me. And, and even during the process of my, my crystallist moment where I was like wiggling, Nova wasn't here yet. I'm like, well, how am I going to do it all? What am I going to do? And then it wasn't until I, I really went on that vision quest about a month or two before he was born. This was last year that something clicked in me because I, I was able to really simulate the feeling of, of dying. You know, what would it be like if I wasn't here? That's what a true vision quest does for your soul. And I got to touch that. And I was like, well, none of these programs matter. The program of how am I going to do it all has no bearing to me doing it all. <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't relate. So I, I literally had to go through that crystallis and, and, and like spread my wings for what it felt like the first time in my life to just be like, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it all, but I know I can. And so something switched in me and, and that embodiment has made all the difference. And it was actually from that point that finances started to grow even more on an energetic level, I don't know exactly what it is. I wish I could tell you, but it seemed like a blend of maturity, embodiment of wisdom, and honoring the mystery of spirit, honoring the mystery of great spirit and God. So it, it's a recipe, and I don't know if it works out the same for everyone else, but that's the way it's played out for me. Yeah, it's it's interesting hearing your journey on this, and I can assure you that if your mindset is it's really hard to make money— then it is really hard for you yes. to make money. Yes. Uh, I mean, you will kind of self-fulfill that prophecy or that belief. And uh, so many people experience that. So many people live in this world where it is so hard. It's Money is a scarce resource. It's hard to come by. And there's just so many different ways to look at it. You know, the better ways to maybe describe it is that we as humans, I think, are designed to be rivers, like flowing rivers, not reservoirs that are holding water back, yeah. but it's the rivers that it's, it's vibrant and it's flowing. And I think that that's true for our spirituality. I think it's true for like many other facets of life. And so when we can embrace that and we can be that flowing source out to other people, I think there's a lot of shifts in there because, uh, you know, you, you said something earlier where you gave yourself permission to feel good making money because you're not taking it. You're offering value. You're offering a service. You're giving something in return. You're giving love and attention. And I think that as we learn what our special gifts are and we learn where we have this value that we can, you know, be a river to give, I think the more abundantly we give it, the more we're going to see in return, though motive matters. And the more people feel that yeah. because there's nothing worse because money, making money and dating and relationships and sex, that was another thing that came online last year. I was like, everything's actually all the same. And, and, I'm, and I know I might sound a little reductionistic right now, but truly the way that I make love, the way that I earn money, the way that I care for myself, the way that I care for my son, the come from is all the same. It's either I'm loving when I do it or I'm in fear and fear has many faces, right? Fear could be depression. Fear could be anxiety. Fear could be not feeling enough, unworthy. Fear comes in a lot of different packages. So I understand that right now somebody might be watching or listening and they might say, well, he's, he's just being like, you know, too esoteric. No, I really mean this. Every single choice is either loving or it's fearful. That's it. So the way that I do everything is truly the way that I do everything, even if it's not always easy to articulate. It might be too simple for the subconscious mind to take in, but just because it's simple does not mean that it's easy to execute. The simple things are actually the hardest to execute for a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I would even take it, uh, you know, in a, another direction or another step where I think the motive on it matters. So let's say that you're, you know, engaging in, in one of these things that you describe, well, is it for me? Like, is it, is it selfishly for me or is it for you or is it for us? Yeah. 
right? So I think that you're going to show up with a different energy. I think you're going to show up with a different mindset. I think you're going to reap a different reward or return Hmm. depending on like if it is selfish energy or a selfish mindset or if it's of a giving nature, a giving spirit, or a, of partnership or union and unity, I do think that that matters. You know what I'm feeling right now when you're speaking? I was, I was just remembering all the times, whether in the beginning of my entrepreneurial career, or even when I was a trainer, when I was in health, every single time I would come to a transaction that involved money at all, there used to be this like bracing in my nervous system where I wouldn't really feel worthy of asking for what I'm doing because I didn't see the value in who I was being. I didn't actually really trust that the value I was giving was truly worth the money. Even now looking back, I'm like, of course it was worth the money. Of course it was. So there was this spiritual maturation that literally had to occur with pressure and time unique to me. And it's unique to all of us, this recipe for for maturity. And when it really got down to it, I I think what shifted the most for me and what, what has shifted the most for me is just honoring where I've been and not shaming myself for the way that I used to be. Cause I could look back and go, Oh my God, you were coming from scarcity. You were coming from fear. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. All that does is that just puts a lens of fear on how I was in the past and how I showed up in the past. And if you look at any single personal development system in the entire face of the, of the planet, everybody is saying the same thing with different words, whether it's Dr. Hawkins, whether it's anyone, there's this lowest frequency emotion that we all feel and it's called shame. And then above shame is apathy. And then above apathy is fear. And then eventually you get up to courage, which is 250 hertz. And hertz being how many times something vibrates. And you can you can Google Dave Asprey on this. You can Google, well, don't Google, use DuckDuckGo. <laughs> or, Amen to that. Or use Brave. I'm right? with you. I'm with you on both. Do, do one of those. But if you look at the frequency of emotion, the way that you and I feel when we're in each other's company, it's fun. It's engaging. It's thought-provoking. And that's like a good frequency to be in because we're not stuck in these lower levels of shame and fear and apathy and guilt. And so the big shift for me and the big shift, I think, for all of us that are on like a financial health journey and a financial intelligence journey is can I let go of shaming myself? Maybe people that have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, bad deals, whatever. They're actually not bad. (laughs) It was just a lesson that was bringing you wisdom. So I think that's a really big piece to highlight is let's stop shaming ourselves for the financial mistakes we've made or for the, the come froms in our past where we're in more scarcity. And let's just give myself and ourselves some homage and some peace and some letting go around how I used to show up because that can plague us and myself for a long time. Unless we finally just, just give it the gift of goodbye, this shame element. Yeah, that's powerful. I love that framework. And I'll even say, you know, embrace the scarcity. Whenever you find yourself, anyone finds themselves in like a scarcity minded place, that's survival kicking in, right? So you're doing something that, you know, your trigger is like, how do I survive here? But how do we get beyond that? How do we get past like just survival? You know, there are certain things we can do. There are certain ways of thinking, behaving, people that we're around interacting where we can go from survival to living. And I think that the scarcity creeps out, that scarcity mindset creeps out when we're living in survival mode or we're just in a routine or a habit because that's the way we were brought up or that's the way we've done it for however long. So there's, you know, it's just autopilot. And then when we can get to the place of like wellness, you know, I think then you're giving yourself the ability to live in more of an abundant place. You're taking care of you. You're being thoughtful. You're creating time and space to heal yourself, to, you know, to feed yourself, whether that be, you know, with real food physically or whether that be with the people that you're around mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Yes. Gosh. Oh man. <laughs> so much to, to peel there with what you just said. But uh, I'll start with, I don't think wellness is something that we are constantly needing to gather. I think wellness has an arc. And I think in the true arc of wellness, there's the gathering phase, which is like, yeah, you're going to listen to Justin's podcast. Okay. All right. You're going to listen to a few other podcasts. You're going to get a certification. You're going to go to Tony Robbins. You're going to gather all these things. And that's great because that's the first part. But the second part is the one that people skip. 
And, and that's the application. So you have this gathering, then you have this application phase. And the application phase could last for months or years, right? Because you, in order to be a successful investor, you have to follow the teachings of successful investors. And in order to be a healthy person, you have to model and, and you have to understand what the wisdom is by applying it from people that are healthy. So we spend a lot of time in this application phase because, man, in our society and in media especially, it's so easy to just consume. Yes. It's so easy to be, I mean, look totally. at all the books right, that I have in the, in the studio or look at how many things are on my computer. I've actually gotten to a place now where unless it's on Audible or unless it's in my calendar, I don't consume it. I literally wow. don't consume it because, and I took Instagram off my phone for a while. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that perfectly. I have a lot of my, my EA does a lot of posting, but for my personal, I still go on there because my business is media. So I, like I, in media, we have to be on Instagram. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about my online course. As a listener, you probably know my story. In under two years, I had multiplied my net worth to over eight figures and my investments were generating enough passive income for my wife and me to quit our jobs. Since launching the Lifestyle Investor book and podcast, I've had a lot of people reaching out asking how I was able to accomplish this in such a short period of time and how they can start investing just like I do. My methods are unconventional, but I've always wanted to share my strategies and help as many people as possible accomplish financial freedom. And while the podcast is loaded with lots of alternative investment advice from both myself and my guests... It's not intended to be a comprehensive system that walks you through my step-by-step -step process. That's why I decided to create the Lifestyle Investor Course, a roadmap for anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of lifestyle investing. Anyone can use my system, no matter what level they're at in their investing career. So if you want all my strategies for creating passive income and building wealth conveniently packaged up into a simple to follow course, visit justindonald.com forward slash course for all the details. Now let's get back to the show. Anyways, in that second phase, this is where people like to skip, but it's the most important part. So after you apply, after you gather, then finally you arrive before you start the whole thing again, you arrive at embodiment. When, when it's in your body, you don't have to fake it. And we, ha we had uh, brunch once and you said, you know, when someone has a financial literacy, when someone has financial wealth behind them, they carry themselves in a different way. They emulate a certain confidence. They, they don't need anything from anyone because they're just being the confident person they are. And I think that applies to every single uh, five parts of that Pentagon. When someone's mentally sound, you can just feel it from them. And when someone's mentally off, you can practice compassion for them. And you can be like, yeah, I've been there or wow, that must be really hard. But I think that the part that people skip is the application. So, so first the arc of wellness, we gather, we gather the stuff and then we sift and sort and we, we let go of the stuff that doesn't serve and we apply and we put it on and, you know, we, we invest, we train, we have friendships, we do all these things. And then, and then ultimately where we arrive is we arrive at embodiment. And then there's not so much toil and there doesn't have to be toil anyways, but it can be the challenge of the game. You know, the challenge of the game is to constantly gather and apply. And when someone embodies something, when they get out of a car or when you talk with them or when you see them, you just know they embody whatever it is. You can't really necessarily put your finger on it. You can't say what it is, but you just feel something from them. That's what we all want. We all want to embody these certain values and virtues. And so wellness is this pentagon that I think just keeps going and going and going because once you achieve physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, financial health, you're going to take a breath and you're going to wonder, okay, well, what's the next piece? What's the next thing that, that I'm going to do now? Not because I have to, but because that's the point of evolution. That's the point of consciousness experiencing itself. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about my online course. As a listener, you probably know my story. In under two years, I had multiplied my net worth to over eight figures and my investments were generating enough passive income for my wife and me to quit our jobs. Since launching the Lifestyle Investor book and podcast, I've had a lot of people reaching out asking how I was able to accomplish this in such a short period of time and how they can start investing just like I do. My methods are unconventional 
but I've always wanted to share my strategies and help as many people as possible accomplish financial freedom. And while the podcast is loaded with lots of alternative investment advice from both myself and my guests, it's not intended to be a comprehensive system that walks you through my step-by-step process. That's why I decided to create the Lifestyle Investor Course, a roadmap for anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of lifestyle investing. Anyone can use my system, no matter what level they're at in their investing career. So if you want all my strategies for creating passive income and building wealth conveniently packaged up into a simple to follow course, visit justindonald.com forward slash course for all the details. Now let's get back to the show. The whole idea of arriving is just a total fantasy. We're built to journey. We're built to go from one thing to the next thing. And the moment that you arrive, and anyone that has ever experienced this in whatever it might be, maybe you arrived because you graduated and you got a certain degree, you got a certain job, you made a certain income, you had a certain dollar amount that you hit on an exit or that you hit in revenue for your business or whatever. That's only satisfying until like you work so hard till you hit it. And then at that point in time, maybe you celebrate it. Some people don't even celebrate it. Maybe you celebrate it, but it's a short-lived celebration. You better celebrate it. Yeah, you, you better celebrate it, but most people don't. And what happens is you go for the next thing, the goalposts move, and whatever it was that you are striving for, now it's a new thing. So this isn't anything where the goalposts are constantly moving. So instead of having the goal be the destination, why not just reframe it and say the goal is what I'm learning along the way, who I'm becoming, who I'm interacting with, the relationships that I'm gaining, strengthening, new people in my life, depth of relationships with people that have been in my life for a long time. What if the goal isn't the outcome, but the goal is really the the depth in the moment. I so resonate with that. And and when you were talking, I was thinking of something I really haven't experienced before. <laughs> so this is a really cool avenue for us to go down. You know, when people are in scarcity and I flash back to myself and I think my story is a is a small construct of what's going on on a, on a really big macro level for a lot of Americans and a lot of people in the world. And that is to the degree that I've had capital T trauma in my life or lowercase t trauma in my life, and I haven't processed that trauma, my nervous system is going to expect that trauma. It is pre-wired for that trauma to occur. So in other words, I'm going to start attracting other traumatic situations to prove that I'm still in trauma until I meet with the right practitioner and I really set that trauma free. And then that begs the deeper question is, What's happening when it comes to people's lack of financial intelligence? Is it really a belief in self or is it something more deep, like an unprocessed trauma that they don't even know is inside of them? And it doesn't always have to be sexual or physical abuse. It can be neglect. It can be not feeling understood. There's tons and tons of ways that that trauma likes to show up physically. But a lot of the trauma that we experience, and I've interviewed so many people about this, it might not even be ours. It could be passed down epigenetically from our parents. So the, the, the big question when it comes to people not even wanting or not knowing how to gain finance or to be financially intelligent, I wonder, and I haven't thought about this before till, till right now, I wonder if it has any correlation, a direct correlation with their unprocessed trauma playing itself out, which then perpetuates the further story that they're not enough and money's not for them and so on and so forth. That to me seems like a fundamental piece of financial health, financial intelligence. Uh, Otherwise I'm showing up to every deal and every opportunity literally wired for trauma or wired for something not to work out. And then I go to all the conferences and I do all the things, but nothing ever works out for me because on this very deep level baked into my dendrites and axons, I'm not able to see things for how they really are, that life is a really great place to be and having great friendships and doing what we do is so, we're so blessed. I mean, I've, I've cried in gratitude a lot in the past couple of years, not just because of my son, but because we get to do what we do. Like I get to speak for a living. I get to help people. Like it's, it's a gift. It's an honor. It's not something I take lightly. 
But I wonder for, for many people, because I'm just thinking about this in real time, is that the case? Is it the unprocessed trauma they have experienced that hasn't been integrated that is blocking them from, from financial abundance? Oh, I think so. I think that often is the case. I think, I mean, you hear it sometimes when people say, well, I knew it wasn't going to work out. Exactly. Right? And so there's self-sabotage. Yes. You're presupposing what's going to happen. You're, I mean, it doesn't matter what you think you're saying or how you're saying it, if deep down your beliefs are that it's not going to work out, right? And, you know, I, I heard this, you know, a long time ago, I believe from Tony Robbins, that life is happening. You know, what if life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you? And just that little shift in language can have a massive shift in framework and how you interpret the world, how you interpret failures, how you interpret success, just how you interpret the journey in general. That frame, though, has to come from experience because somebody that's heard you say that for the first time, they might be like, whoa, that that sounds really cool. So intellectually, it registers, but but they haven't done the arc yet. So in order to register and integrate and, and really embody what you just said, there needs to be patience, time and pressure for, for that to like sink in. Yeah. Josh, what, what are the other four parts of the Pentagon? Yep. Well... There's what we're in, which is a meat suit, <laughs> which is a, a physical body. So um, when I was 280, like, uh, of course, my brain didn't work because my pancreas was improperly secreting insulin and I didn't really understand the quality of food and, and what happens when you eat things that are laced with chemicals and and there's that, that, that conversation is so deep, but, but on, on the physical level, you know, the same way that, that we have outlets in the house, when I plug in an iPhone charger and we've all experienced this, the iPhone charger, it has dirt on it. You have to blow it off. You have to clean it and then it'll charge our physical bodies the same way. If my physical body is, is cloudy and dirty, my thoughts don't work right. My verbal accuracy goes down. I'm not able to hold conversations well. If I'm underslept, this is a, a super huge fun fact. I just learned from, from Dr. John Laurence that we have this um, system in our brain and this system actually cleans itself in deep sleep. So we have these four sleep cycles. Uh, at night, if you're not getting enough deep sleep, they're called the glymphatic channels. So we have these glymphatic channels that get washed at night. So if you're not getting enough deep sleep over time, your brain is swimming in its own excrement. Whoa. <laughs> and to me, when I read that, I was like, okay, aura ring just got a whole new meaning. Oh, you know, the, my... the aura ring just got a whole yep. new meaning because now my goal is not necessarily how long I sleep. It's, it's how much quality can I get when I sleep? So when we have a day of podcasting, I'll be like, baby, I love you. Give, give her and my son a kiss. And I go sleep in the, in the guest bedroom because I, I really want to show up for you and for us and for this. And so there, there's a lot of boundaries that have to be shifted when it comes to the physical with our spouse, with our friends, with, with our lifestyle to, to honor what it is that we're doing. And if we don't do that, then over the course of time, you know, that the, the iPhone thing gets dirty and we have to readjust. So that's the physical quadrant, which, which is a, a huge one. And then from there, I think in, order, I just want to interrupt real yeah. quick uh, for anyone listening to this, it's probably not a good idea to try and do this if you don't have a young child. Yeah, I don't, don't think my wife would no. <laughs> care for that a whole lot. No. Uh, and but, when you do it, do it lovingly. <laughs> do it lovingly. Yeah, of yeah. course. Of course. No, but I mean, just this, this whole idea around getting the right sleep. I mean, this this the Aura Ring was a game changer for me because yes. I started looking at REM and deep sleep and am I getting enough? And by the way, you can get enough of those even if you don't have the, you know, mm -hmm. the amount of sleep that you need. And so that's a fascinating concept that, that you just shared in the value of the deep sleep. Because we know the value of most people, I think, know the value of, of REM, but Deep sleep has its own important component to it. And you'll notice on the aura ring, the, the waves, the way you cycle in and you cycle out and you cycle back in and you cycle out. And it's fascinating because you really only need, you know, an hour and a half, hour and 10 to hour, 30 minutes of REM. Yeah. You know, I think hour and 30, you're crushing it, right? You get three different sure. cycles. A couple hours of deep is pretty good. Yeah. If you can get a couple hours of deep. Yeah. Go, go ahead on the next, uh, topic. And I, I love that you said that because yeah, it ain't how long you sleep. You can sleep and wake up a whole bunch and be trashed. You could sleep for five, six hours and be really clean. You could, 
not yep. be swimming your own excrement for your brain. You know? That's right. And by the way, I'm just going to throw this in there. I mean, my drinking patterns have changed. So I don't drink a whole lot in general, but yeah. uh, I love some good wine periodically. And what I did notice, though, is that when I consume alcohol later in the evening, it really jacks up my sleep. And I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. So, I mean, even if I have something after five o'clock, even one glass of wine, it would really jack up my sleep. And I don't know that I, I mean, physically, maybe I felt that when I started actually measuring it on the aura ring and how long it took me to get into REM and how many times I woke up, what my heart rate was for that first hour to two to three hours of sleep. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing with eating late too, right? So there are all these different things that you can see, but that has been a game changer for just shifting my, my sleep, improving my sleep, shifting when I do what. Yeah. The big four, alcohol, caffeine, food, and light. And maybe you've talked about this a bunch, but we'll just do a fast review before we go to the mental. If I'm looking at blue light, I'm actually shutting off secretion from my pineal gland of melatonin. The pineal gland is buried deep inside of the cerebellum. If I'm looking at blue light on my phone, you're toast. And it's not to scare you guys, but like you're, you're toast if you look at blue light at night because your sleep will be crap. So, and then another one is, is food. Don't eat two to three hours before you go to bed. You know, we had a conversation like your life's going to get a lot easier because you're going to take your son to bed earlier and you're going to go to bed earlier. And that's definitely played out. Like if I'm in bed by nine, nine thirty, I'm super happy. Yeah. If we eat by six o'clock, um, that's a good place to be. So, so all that feeds the mental. So the next, the next piece of the Pentagon, which used to be a quadrant is the mental. Mental health is really interesting because in my family, on both sides, there has been some mental health stuff where people have taken SSRIs and, you know, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. These are things that, that help the receptor sites basically deliver more serotonin. But if you leave receptor sites open for too long, that's when you get addiction and that's when you have to keep taking whatever you're taking. And, and the real way to live, and I'm not, I'm not making light of anyone that has like a, a true physical hardware structure that's, that's pushing mental health. But I would be suffice to say that when it comes to the mental quadrant of wellness, I don't know the exact percentage, but if I just had to anecdotally guess, it's probably 70% of people that have mental health issues are most likely still developing the courage to look at the parts of their life that aren't working and not really a hardware problem. But the pharmaceutical industry treats everyone as if it's a hardware problem. Right. The, oh. That's it. So when you go to the physician, when you're approaching this this piece of the Pentagon for mental health, it, it's no longer a conversation in, in the pharmaceutical or in the Western medicine space of, hey, let's take an honest emotional inventory of your life. Like, how's your spouse? How's your exercise? How's your job? How's your trauma? <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of things to cover, Justin. And so if we're not looking at that, then it's really easy to get on some program and then your receptor sites stick open and then they gotcha. It's, it's hard to get out once you're in. Right? That's good. So, so it's, it's a really big one. And so I, I think just on a positive note to drive mental health, have the courage to take monthly or quarterly emotional inventories. And I have a really cool system for that. If you, if you want it cool, if not, this yeah, way too. please. All right. So I know we're spending a lot of time in this mental piece, but it's a big one because it's as simple as a journal. You get a journal on the right side of the journal. You write 10 things that are causing you the most pain. And a lot of what I'm going to share right now, people's subconscious mind might want to kick it out. They'd be like, Josh, that's too simple. It's not going to work. I promise you it'll work because the most simple things are the most potent. 10 things that are causing you pain and then just sit with that. And this is after a meditation or breath work. And then on the other side of the page, 10 things that you truly, truly, truly are the most grateful for. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's whatever it is, your house. I don't know. But things that you really feel that you're grateful for and spend time on that. And then take a breath and circle the one that's causing you the most pain, then circle the one you love the most. And I know that might be hard, but just go for it. And then reach out to your coach, reach out to a friend, be careful who you share this with. Because when we talk about mental health, sometimes mental health can be degraded just by the people we share our dreams with. Like if I'm sharing with a friend that doesn't support me, that's going to degrade my mental health over time. So in this emotional inventory process, you're going to then share like if, so if you were my coach, I'd say, Justin, I took the emotional inventory can we chat? Can I share with you what came up for me? And then you would either say yes or no. And then if you gave me permission, I would say, you know, this is causing me the most pain. This is what I'm the most grateful for. And I would really like to declare today that I'm committed to changing or to looking at this one thing because I love myself and I love this thing I'm most grateful for enough to change. And that will correct mental health 
basically overnight. And then you do the work to, to fulfill on that. So that's truly the most powerful thing anyone can do. I didn't learn it from anyone else. I just started doing it myself about five years ago. And it's, it's been the most confronting, but it's also been the most, it's bared the most fruit. That's powerful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's incredible. Welcome. So what is the next component here in the quadrant? I don't know if we're in the right order anymore, but I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, go uh, for it. I don't know if from now there's there's an order because once we take care of the physical and the mental, everything else can work properly from there. But I, I do believe the next one is a, is a spiritual pa- a place, a place of spirituality. It's not that you have to worship God or Buddha or Allah. You just have to be in communion with something bigger than you. That's it. If you look at all the blue zones in the world, my buddy Jason Prawl, uh, the Human Longevity Project, it was a huge successful film series where they, they traveled the world and they interviewed people from, there were the, the hundred years or more, the, the centenarians, centenarians. And out of all the places, I think it was Icaria, Greece, and Sardinia, Sicily, Okinawa, Alta Loma in California, and, and one more that somebody's going to know. But when they broke it down, yes, it was the food. Yes, it was the exercise. Yes, it was the physical movement. But it was really that they all shared an appreciation for something higher than themselves. They all had some type of a faith-based practice. And, and that was like, when you stick in the faith-based practice, it's a practice because sometimes things can happen in life that may disconnect you from God or may disconnect you spiritually. It's, it's our work to continually tune into God, tune into something higher that makes us live longer. So, so that's the spiritual component is how can I keep going back to my connection with that omnipresent force that's greater than me, even when it's really, really hard to do so? In my own personal life, I was angry at God for like 25 years, 27 years, because he couldn't fix my mom. He couldn't fix my dad. He couldn't fix life, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized it's all part of the game. You know, we're all dealt different cards on purpose. And it doesn't serve me to be angry at what created because it did create for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going through it. That's powerful. And and for me, you know, my, my faith, my spirituality, like that is the bedrock of who I am. And I think uh, also helps give me so much purpose. And so, and to me, it's just, it's overarching. It's a big picture. It's, it's you know, it's greater than just, uh, you know, some business, some income, some, you know, situation. I mean, this to me is like a guiding force. So I, I love that this is a core component of the Pentagon. And to me, this would be like the foundational, like if you built this as a pyramid, if you will, like this to me is foundational. Yes, <laughs> it really is. Cause nothing works without it. I mean, it can work for a while, but eventually, eventually it'll collapse because there's a dishonoring of nature. There's a dishonoring of where we came from. There, There's not a true... I don't think you can really practice gratitude unless you have a faith-based practice. I don't think it's possible. Yeah. And practicing gratitude has also been a game changer. You know, my good friend, Hal Elrod wrote the Miracle Morning. Oh, yeah. He's Mr. Gratitude. Yeah, he is. The the guy lives. uh, So sometimes people are like, is Hal really like that? He's totally like that. The guy lives (laughs) being in gratitude. It's it's incredible. Yeah. And it's really funny. So he and I and uh, John Vroman and Tim Nikolai, uh, the four of us are friends here in Austin. We're all dads. We're part of Front Row Dads. And so we have what's called a band or like a group that gets together and, and we just challenge each other and support each other in becoming better husbands, better dads. And we meet once a month, two and a half hours, every single month without fail. We've been doing this for years now. Uh, and I thought you'd get a good kick out of it. The The name of our group is Blue Zone. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we that's really cool. We want to do life together and live for a hundred years. Yeah. Or more of a long, healthy life. That's the dream. Uh, ideally impacting others, you know, using mm. the things we've learned, the relationships that we've developed uh, to be able to impact other people for a long, healthy life of impact, of service, of giving, of sharing of gifts, uh, whether it be parenting, whether it be business, whether it be emotional, spiritual, you know, physical. And we try to, you know, embody all these in the things that we do. I mean, that's, that's so important to us. And what you guys have cultivated is a, is a space where most likely maybe, maybe you can share a space where you're not judging each other. There's, there's, it's like a judgment free area totally because judgment and resentment 
can eat up all the creativity and connection. It just like, it just eats it all up. Totally. So I, I found that to be true with, with, you know, the groups that I'm in, it's like, as long as it's a judgment free space, almost anything can happen. Yeah. Because the judgment just, just invalidates and kind of keeps the old narrative going that we, that we learned from our parents, which, you know, respect to them. And then that creates more emotional health, which is, which is another piece of the Pentagon. That's right. <laughs> it's like in the, in the emotional section of the Pentagon, that's where you actually get to learn what your feelings and what your emotions are here to teach you. I used to get really overwhelmed by my emotions. And from time to time, I still do like, I, I'm not a master. I'm not a yogi master on a cliff, but, but I'm a lot better. I'm, I'm way better than, than how I was. And I think what's made the most uh, traction for me, what's moved the needle the most has been when I f start to feel something or I'm experiencing an emotion, true health is me being curious about why it's there rather than trying to fight it, kick its ass and get rid of it. Mm, that's our powerful. Our entire society, Justin, is built on emotional apathy and, and distracting people. And, and we talked about this today already, like whether it's the bar or sports and which aren't necessarily bad things In, intuitively. And if you're with good intention, you can go enjoy sports. You can go to the bar, you can do these things. But unfortunately there are a lot of multi-million dollar businesses and billion dollar businesses that in their P and L is a section for behavioral scientists to be paid that literally those behavioral scientists, their entire job is to make whatever they're selling to you the most addictive it possibly can be. And so with that from a financial, that's their financial come from. How can we make Coca-Cola as addictive as possible? How can we make this, how can we, how can we put CCK hormone in McDonald's fries and make them as addicting as possible to the ancient brain? Let's spend $10 million this year to pay our scientists to make the bliss point in foods and drinks the most addictive they can be. So th these are the things that we really have to take stock of when we look at the emotional health quadrant, because when we fall prey to the unconscious capitalism that's out there, then it's just going to eat us apart. And we're not going to have any emotional health because we become victimized by our own biology. So if I'm feeling sad, a really unhealthy burger or, or five beers is going to be more attractive. Unless I can like pause, do some breath work, call a friend, something, something to get me out of hungry, angry, lonely, tired so I can be in my body because that's why we did the body first. And then we talked about spirituality and we talked about really like, what does it mean to be in connection with something bigger? Go there, go there. If you're in that moment of like, I don't know what I'm going to do right now, but I, I kind of feel like inside of me, I'm not comfortable feeling this. I'm not comfortable feeling the emotion I'm feeling. So to quell it down or mash it down, I'm going to go to food, shopping, porn, sex, or overworking. That's really what a lot of people battle yeah. with. To mask it. Yeah. Without to a mask doubt. It so, down. so you don't feel it. Uh, and the interesting thing here is, I mean, th there are a whole lot of levels of this, but um, I think that we're, we're becoming a culture where it's more acceptable to express your emotions, which is great. The problem is if you're not in a good state, generally it's going to lead to worse choices, poor choices, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't get enough sleep. You are probably going to make some worse choices. You're super hungry. You didn't plan great and you just need to eat something. Uh, you may just go for the fastest move, which may not be the best serving type of food. So a lot of the decisions we make are going to be cultivated by the people that we surround ourselves with, with the environment that we are in. Uh, and so I think it's important not to just let that be a default thing in our life, but to proactively create the environment, to proactively go find the people that fill us up and support us the best. I just think that, you know, being in the driver's seat, not the passenger seat matters so much here. Yeah. And without that fifth piece, without the financial it's really challenging for the other parts of the Pentagon to be filled, to be, to be fueled because in order to eat healthy, you have to pay the farmers, right? In order to have spaciousness in your calendar, you have to have recurring revenue in order to have true wellness. You have to surrender and actually enjoy the process of making money, of being financially sound. And, um, I really think that that's what we signed up for here. You know, when we play Monopoly, whoever gets Boardwalk and Park Place, they they tend to do better in the game. 
And I feel like we're in a big monopoly here. <laughs> we're playing that game. That's powerful. I, I just want to thank you so much for sharing today. This has been so fun, you know, not just getting a chance to come hang with you in your home, in your studio. This place is gorgeous, but really, you know, we just share so many similar beliefs and there's so much of what you embody that I resonate with. And I just appreciate your openness and your vulnerability, but your eagerness to teach and share. Uh, it's just so powerful. Can you just share where we can find more about you? Yeah. So the best place to start is exactly where you are. I don't care if you're perfectly healthy or if you have all the five parts of the Pentagon, great. I'm sure we all have room for improvement, not from a place of shame, but just like it's, it's fun to improve. Just go to wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. And that's a place where you can get 450 episodes squeezed down into about six things. And these six things, they're so simple, but they're so potent. One of them being breath work. A lot of what I do in life now, it seems to always circle around the breath. And we have our Breathe Breath and Wellness program, which is where I help a lot of people, entrepreneurs, everyday people, moms and dads. And it's a great place for people to learn too. That's breathwork.io. And that's a program that we've had so many people go through and I'm, I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud that it's getting people in their bodies again, because that way they can really be themselves. A lot of what our society is driven by is getting you out of your body. So, And we did that, by the way. We did some breath right. work before we started today, which was absolutely incredible. Yes. And it goes way deeper than that. That was just like 20 circular breaths. But but those two places are, are a great place to start. And then the Wellness Force podcast is, is actually now going to be the Wellness Wisdom podcast. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Rebranding. Rebranding because we have to be able to uh, evolve or we evaporate. Yeah. You know, we evaporate. So it's it's more authentic with me. It's It's more wisdom based. So that feels really good to say on your on your show. Yeah, wellness wisdom. This is great. And I don't know, you probably haven't had a chance to say that that much yet because this is where you're in transition right. right now. So yes. hopefully we can be, you know, one of the first to be able to share that this new rebrand. I think so. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I just really thoroughly appreciate you uh, grabbing time with us here today. This has been so much fun. And uh, I just want to leave my audience with just one final thought that I love to leave everyone with each week. And that's this. What's the one step that you can take today to move you closer to financial freedom, to a life by design, not by default, a life that's on your terms, not someone else's? Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.